All right, Salt Company, guys, it is a, uh, a great night to be together. It's obviously not ideal because we're not here in person, but we got this virtual thing, and this is just like the cards we were dealt, right? 2020, greatest year in the history of the world, right? <laughs> not even close. But guys, super excited to, to be with you tonight. As Ronnie mentioned, my name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Doxa Church. Just honored to be able to teach you the Bible tonight. So as Ronnie mentioned, John chapter 3 is where we're at. So if you don't have your Bible open there yet, grab it and get there, okay? We're, we're continuing this series, Conversations with Jesus. And throughout this series, we're, we're looking at these specific conversations that Jesus has with these people that he comes across as he's walking through the everyday stuff of life while here on earth. And tonight we, we listen into a conversation that Jesus has with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And honestly, Salt Company, this is one of those conversations that really just, it, it carries like eternal significance for every single one of us. All right, and not just me and not just like the people like that are involved in Salt Company in, in here, but like we're talking about like everybody, like the people in your dorm, the people in your apartment building, like your classes, this city, our state, our country, our world. It's, it's literally for everybody. Because I just want you to hear this. This conversation in John chapter 3 is where Jesus kind of like sheds some light on an issue that so many people in our world are confused about. And it really revolves around this question. Here it is, ready? How is it that a person goes to heaven? Or, or said another way, like, how is it that we're made right with God? Like, how is it that we are able to be with a holy God? These are, these are massive questions, okay? So let's listen to this conversation, and then we're going to get to work understanding this. But John chapter 3, verse 1, we're just going to read this, this conversation, and then we'll, we'll get to work, okay? But here's what we have, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, this is the conversation. And there's honestly so much for us to learn about how humanity relates to God. 
And Nicodemus, who, who starts this conversation with Jesus, was just a highly religious, a devout religious man. All right, he was a, a Pharisee, and as a Pharisee, he would have committed much of, the lar- much of the large sections of the Old Testament to memory, and he would have been known as just like a, uh, a morally upright guy. He would have been revered as like intelligent and kind of like the holiest of men. And as he starts this conversation with Jesus, you can almost sense that, that Nicodemus knew that he was missing something as it related to his relationship with God. Right? You, you, you sense this, and, and this would have been weird for him because he knew the scriptures. He, he knew God, but there was something inside of him. You can almost feel it coming out of this conversation that he thought he was missing something. This is why he goes to talk to Jesus and ask him some questions, and, and maybe this is you. Maybe you can relate to, to Nicodemus here, that you're kind of feeling this same way, that like Nicodemus, you're, you're feeling like, I'm, I'm kind of leaning into this whole God thing, this Jesus thing. I'm here at Salt Company, but I feel like I'm just missing something. And, and maybe that feeling of missing something is, is really why you're here at Salt Company. You met some friends, you met some students that are involved in Salt Company, and you look at them and you're like, okay, like, they have something that I don't. What is, what is that about? And like Nicodemus, you're searching for answers. And I just want you to know If that's you, guys, God wants to break in today. He wants to to meet with you tonight, and he wants to talk with you, just like he did with Nicodemus. And and really, this is what the Bible is all about. It's God speaking to us so that we can understand life, so that we can understand eternal life, and we can understand the God who gives both. And so when Nicodemus approaches Jesus, he has some questions. He has questions about God. He has questions about eternity. And Jesus responds in a way that just completely confuses him. And he tells him, he says, okay, Nicodemus, the most important thing for you to know is this. And Saul Company, this is what Jesus is saying to you tonight. The most important thing for you to know is this. You need to be born again. All right, this is the big topic that this conversation is kind of revolving around, being born again, that Jesus is, is talking to Nicodemus about a new birth that allows someone to enter into the kingdom of God. And as we talk about this idea of being born again, you know, today, in our, in our day and age, right, there, there are many thoughts that people can have when they hear that someone is like, quote unquote, a born again Christian. And chances are you've, you've heard that expression before and, and maybe you heard it used in not like a positive light or maybe at the very least it was like in a confusing light. And so what we're going to do is we're going to seek an understanding of this tonight because this is so incredibly important. It's of eternal significance, But here is what we need to consider about this conversation about being born again. Three things as it relates to new birth. All right, we're gonna ask three questions. All right, why is it needed? How does it happen? And what are the results? This is where we're going tonight, Salt. All right, so first, why is it needed? Why is it needed? Why is a new birth of being born again needed? And and honestly, this passage is very straightforward. If you look back to verse three, look back. Jesus says it plainly. He says, unless one is born again, what? He cannot see the kingdom of God. And it's very clear here that that Jesus is saying that new birth is needed in order to be with God. All right, that new birth, being born again, is absolutely critical. It's essential to go to heaven. And here's what you need to know, Salt Company. And and this might make some of us just feel uneasy, but but it's true. And we just have to be honest enough to talk about it. And so here it is. 
We are all, you, me, we are all born in sin. All right, that while we're all born with physical life, we're all born spiritually dead. I just need you to understand this, all right, that by nature and choice, we are all sinners. This is just who we are. And so while we can be physically alive, apart from new birth, apart from being born again, we're spiritually dead. And regardless of how we feel when we hear about sin, we hear that word sin, guys, I just want you to know it's incredibly helpful to believe in and talk about sin. And here's why. All right, sin really just explains why the world is not the way that it should be. All right, it explains why we as people are not the way that we should be, why we do terrible things, why we have terrible thoughts, why the world is so broken and messed up, why bad things happen. That if you look around the world, and I don't have to convince anybody of this, you look around the world and there is most definitely something wrong in our world. And we can speculate as to why that is. The Bible says it's due to sin. And it's not just sin kind of running around the world, but it's sin in our lives, every single one of us. And when I say that word sin, we all likely have ideas of of what this means, but to be on the same page, this is the way that I think about sin, and I say it all the time, is that sin is really just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. To make it very simple, sin is whatever God is not, all right? And we're all affected by it. Every single one of us, regardless of how you grew up, regardless of how good of a person you think you are or present yourself to be, we're all impacted and affected and infected by sin. The most godly person that you know has a sin issue. I can even tell you of myself, Rob Warren has sin in my past, in my present, and there's sin in my future that I haven't gotten to yet, but I assure you that I will. It's a big deal. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3 that we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And if we're just honest with ourselves, right, if we just kind of let our guards down and and back up for just a minute, no matter how nice of a person or how good we think we are or try to be, because there's there's darkness in every single one of us. There's evil, there's, there's thoughts, there's behaviors, there's things in every single one of us that are just dark. That every single one of us throughout all of our days We sin, and we sin out of commission and omission. And I want to explain this to you because, you know, when we think about sin, we we tend to think about sin of of commission, all right? And sin of commission is, is simply just doing what we shouldn't do, all right? So when God says, don't steal, don't lie, don't lust, and we do those things, we commit those things, we're in sin. But in addition to sin of commission, there's also sin of omission, And that's this, is that when God tells us to do certain things and we don't do them, it's sin because we don't do what God said. And that sin that permeates all of our life and is a very real part of who we are as human beings has a very real and significant impact on every single one of our lives. And guys, we we just cannot be ignorant to this. We, We need to talk about this. And so to say it directly and bluntly, guys, The effects of sin in our lives leads to a life separated from God. This is the nature of sin, is that sin separates. And and I know that maybe some of you, you you hear that, and and it doesn't seem like a a big deal. And maybe you have the thought of like, man, I'm just here to kind of be around God, and I don't want to be that close to God. I'm not like jumping all in. I don't need the, it's not that big of a deal. But here's where it becomes a big deal. The Bible talks about how the consequences of our sin is death. 
Not that we, we sin and, and mess up and God sees it and he kind of like zaps us with a lightning bolt and kills us. It's, it's not that. But sin leads to spiritual death and just eternal separation from God, which is just a terrible conscious reality of hell. And it's only with that perspective, Salt Company, I just need you to hear this. It's only with that perspective of life. It's only with that perspective of who you are as a person, sinful, that Christianity and Jesus are really good news, gospel news, that God loves us so much that he chose to do something to save us from the effect of sin. And this is ultimately what this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus is all about, that while there's really bad news, Nicodemus, while there's really bad news, Salt Company, that you can't enter the kingdom of God because of the sin in your life, hear this, there's also really good news. With Jesus, there's always good news. And the good news is this, is that you actually can enter the kingdom of God if you're born again. And God, with his father heart of love, he comes to earth being born in the form of a man. This is Jesus. He died for our sin to take our sin and help us to be born again with a new spiritual birth to bring us into his family. And I just want, I need to be honest enough to tell you this, Salt Company, this is the only way. Different religions, different philosophies, different ideologies will, will try and answer how we get to make our way to God. There's only one way. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was born so that we could be born again and enjoy life in the family of God. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus and this is what we celebrate every week here at Salt Company. So that's why new birth is needed. But here's the second question. How does it happen? Right? How are we born again? And this is really the question that Nicodemus asked Jesus. All right, that Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, truly I tell you, like, you, you can't be with God. You can't enter the kingdom of God without being born again. And, and Nicodemus kind of hears it and he's like, all right, okay, well, like how? Okay, like, like how, do, how do I do this? Look at verse four. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And this is actually kind of like really comical and simultaneously kind of gross. Okay, Nicodemus is just like completely confused at this point. So much so that he literally starts thinking about the human anatomy, right? And I can't even talk about this without laughing and kind of being grossed out. But right, he's thinking about this. He's like, okay, so I got my mom. Should I call, like, is there a way that I can climb back into the, no, it's weird, okay? But this is what Nicodemus is thinking about, just utterly confused. And this is clearly not what Jesus is talking about. But what is he talking about? And as we keep listening to this conversation, Jesus shares how this happens. Look at verse five. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Saul Company, how are we born again? This is the question. And there's a certain sense in which if somebody asks me or says to me, Rob, how can I be born again? Technically, the right biblical answer is there's nothing that you can do. 
Because if you look at verse eight, this is what Jesus says. Look, look back. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That he's saying this, this is really not under your control. That there's kind of like a, a divine interplay of what God does for our new birth and what we do alongside of him and his work in our life. That on one hand, what we do is, is really just repent and believe. That we repent and believe, meaning we, we turn from our sin and we turn to God. This is what we do. We, it's repenting and believing. But as we do that, God is the one who gives new birth. That we can't cause ourselves, Salt Company, we cannot cause ourselves to be born again. It's only a work of God. And this is what Jesus is getting at in verse five, if you look back. When he says, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. And as Jesus says this, guys, the background of his statement is likely Ezekiel chapter 36, where Ezekiel is talking about the Spirit of God as water in a desert. Because in the, des in the desert, in those arid places, water wasn't just like life-giving, but in a sense, water was life itself. And so it, this is a metaphor for the Spirit of God. And so what we're hearing here is that new birth, being born again, is having the Spirit of God implanted in you by God himself. Irrespective of what you can do, you can't do it. And the way that this happens, the way that God brings about this new birth, is by us repenting and believing. And this is throughout the pages of the Bible. This is throughout the teachings of Jesus, but it's actually right here in this conversation. Let me show you. Look down to verse 14. All right, Jesus uses an Old Testament illustration of what it means to repent and believe. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And if you know your Bible, right, this is an interesting reference to Numbers chapter 21. And do you remember what happened in, in this chapter? The children of God, the Israelites, they, they had sinned against God while they're wandering in the desert after their exodus of slavery in Egypt. And because of their sin, because of their rebellion against God, punishment came. Judgment came and, and God sent a plague of snakes, venomous snakes, and they were biting the people and these people were dying. And in a sense, in this story, in this account, the venom that was killing these people represented sin in their life. Basically, the venom represented in their bodies what was killing them in their souls. And what Moses was told to do was to put a bronze serpent, the image of the thing that was killing these people, to put it on a pole and lift it up. And all the people had to do was just look at it. Because these people, I mean, some of them were in such bad shape, such, so sick, so just like immobilized that they couldn't possibly go over to it or touch it or anything like that. All they had to do was look. And as they looked, they were saved and they were healed as they did this. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus. He's trying to teach him how to be saved and given new life, how to be born again. Now, we have to understand Nicodemus at this point, right? Because Nicodemus was a religious leader. This was really difficult for Nicodemus to understand because Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, was all about religion. Confidence in the works of the flesh. That's how we can define religion. He was all about, he had this, this worldview, this mindset, this theology that he had to work his way to God, that he had to live his life in a way that his good deeds outweighed his bad deeds. And so at the end of his life, when he stood before God, the, the, the scale would tip one way, and he had to try and work his way to be acceptable in the sight of God. This is how he was living. 
And so he tried his best to be a good man. He tried his best to to do good works, but there was still an issue. His sin. His sin was not mediated and forgiven. Right? Because the truth is, nothing we can do. Salt Company, you just need to hear this. Somebody watching tonight needs to understand this. There is nothing we can do to take away the sin in our lives that separates us from God. It's only Jesus. And I know that there's some of you, you have like anxiety about this. You try and live your life in such a way that to please God, because you want him to love you and to accept you and to save you, but you can't be good enough. You can't do it. Nicodemus had this same view. And Jesus is just saying, unless you understand this, Nicodemus, unless you just put all of that religion aside and you just look at me, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Now this is sadly the story of so many people in our world today. That many people have this very religious outlook on life a very religious outlook on, on their relationship with God and salvation, very similar to, to what Nicodemus had. And so many people think like, okay, I'm, I'm good with God because I grew up in a Christian home. I, I went to church growing up. Everybody in my family, like we own a Bible. I brought a Bible to college. I, I live a pretty good life. Like I'm not like my roommate. Like my roommate is a hot mess. Like he's crazy. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm pretty good. And like we kind of measure up and we say, I'm, I'm just good with God. I'm not that bad. Guys, this is religion. It sneaks in like that. This is a religious outlook on life that has nothing to do with being born again, but it has to do with your behavior. But I want you just to listen to this. Your good behavior will not lead you to be born again. It just won't. And my job is simply just to tell you the truth. Your job is to figure out what to do with it. But if you tend to think this way, if you tend to think in a very religious Nicodemus mindset, working your way to God, trying to make yourself acceptable to God to get to heaven, Jesus' words here should just really stop you in your tracks and make you ask, am I born again? Because it's not religion that saves. It's Jesus. It's not your good works that save you. It's Jesus' good works for you. And Nicodemus was just so confused by this because he figured he had to do more things to get right with God. And this is why he came to Jesus. He's asking him, okay, like, what do I need to do? I'll do more. Like, what do I need? Listen to what the pastor theologian John Piper says. He says it like this. He says, what Nicodemus needs and what you and I need is not religion but life. The point of referring to new birth is that birth brings new life into the world. In one sense, of course, Nicodemus is alive. He's breathing, thinking, feeling, acting. He's a human created in God's image. But Jesus sees him as dead. There is no spiritual life in Nicodemus. Spiritually, he is unborn. He needs life, not more religious activities or more religious zeal. He has plenty of that. And so Jesus looks at Nicodemus. He's looking at us today, and he's saying, don't do more. Look to me. I'm the way the truth, and the life. 
And as I think about this conversation that Nicodemus is having, you know, he's an he's a intelligent man. He's memorized much of the Old Testament. I wonder during this conversation if Isaiah 45, 22 popped into his head. This is what God says in Isaiah 45. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. God says, like, you want to be saved? You, you want new life? You want to be born again? Look to me. Just, just turn to me. That, that's it. Look to me. And this is what Jesus is saying. And this is what it means to repent and believe. This is what Jesus is saying to you tonight, Salt Company, to me. He's saying, look to me. I'm sweating drops of blood for you. Look to me. I'm hanging on a cross for you. Look to me. I've died and I was buried. Look to me. I have risen and I'm at the right hand of the Father. Look to me. I came so that you can be born again. I will save you from your sin. Look to me. Look to me. This is the thing that brings eternal life. Not looking to ourselves to be better for God, but looking to Jesus to be born again by God into his family. It's a beautiful picture. And if you think about just like, okay, we're talking about this new birth. If you think about a baby being born, just ask yourself this, like how much effort on the part of the baby does it take for it to be born? I mean, what does the baby have to do in this, this process? Nothing, right? The baby literally doesn't do anything. The baby contributes nothing to its birth. And so it is with our new birth, that it's not any of our works, but it's what God does for us. And just like a baby, we're born again by someone else's good works. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus and us that it's only by his works that we can be born again and be with God. Repent and believe. Salt Company, turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and he will save you. He will cause new birth to come. And this is what he concludes in verse 16. One of the most famous verses in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So how does new birth happen? It's the grace of God through the works of Jesus by faith in him alone. So here's my question for you, Saul Company. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Because we're all alive physically, but some of you are sitting in front of your screen right now and you're dead spiritually. And what we don't want you to do at Salt Company is simply to come and examine the life of Jesus. We want you to experience the life of Jesus at Salt Company. Because hear this, anyone, anyone can examine and study the life of Jesus. I mean, atheists could come to Salt Company and examine the life of Jesus but only someone who's been born again can experience the life, the salvation, the freedom, the newness that Jesus brings. And this is ultimately what all of humanity is looking for. We all want more in life, and I'll submit to you that it starts with being born again. That's why we're here. We're drawn to something more, just like Nicodemus, and it causes us to go to Jesus. Now, the last thing that we'll consider is this. Third question. What are the results? So we, we understand why we need new birth, how it happens, but what are the results of new birth? And, and while there's so many, I wanna show you two from this conversation. First, new birth, being born again, gives us a new identity. All right, look at verse six. 
Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And this is really a statement that goes back to John chapter 1 in reference to being children of God who are born of God. Listen to John 1.12, or you can flip back one page. John chapter 1, verse 12. This is what John says. Yet to all who did receive him, to all who looked to Jesus, to those who believed in his name, they had faith, they repented and believed. He gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And what this means is that those who are born again have a new identity and we are now, we can say, if we are in Christ, if we have come to Jesus, if we've looked to Jesus, we put our faith in Jesus, our identity is now that we are a child of God. That before we're born again and our sin is forgiven, we're not children of God. We need to understand this. This is the reality, that we're not children of God before Jesus enters into the equation in our lives, but we are enemies of God because of our sin that our identity is that of a sinner. We're outside the family of God. But in love and by grace, through faith, Jesus takes our sin and gives us a new identity. And now we are children of God. Not enemies, but kids. And I absolutely love this. Saul Company, I just want you to hear this. When it comes to our identity in Christ as children of God, It's not achieved, it's received. That you don't work your way to become a child of God, but God gives it to you. Your identity as a child of God is rooted in God's love for you, and God is now your father. And there's security in this, there's assurance in this, because guys, we we don't have to worry anymore Right? There's, there's nothing going to change your relationship with God that you're, you are his and he is yours and nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. And when we know that we've been born again and we now have a great heavenly father who loves us and cares for us and protects us and provides for us, this will absolutely change the way that you view life and you experience life and you enjoy life. Made new, born again gives us a new identity. The second result that new birth brings is something that we've already mentioned, but it's how Jesus ends. And so this is how I'm gonna end. Being born again results in eternity with God. Verse 16, listen to this, Saul Company. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here it is, guys. Jesus was born so that we could be born again and have eternal life in glory and perfection. And so we're gonna sing here in just a minute. And for those of you who are Christians, you've been born again through faith, worship him. Like, thank him. Because Jesus did the thing for you that you could never do on your own. He has caused you to be born again. He has taken your sin. He has brought you into the family of God. He has made you new. Thank him for that. Let that truth sink in and just let it well up in worship, wonder, awe, and praise. But for those of you who have not been born again, I just need to tell you this. You don't have a reason to sing yet. 
you don't really have a reason to celebrate yet. But God. Okay, the two greatest words in the Bible. But God wants to give you a reason to sing tonight. And Jesus says that there's only one thing that you need to do to begin a relationship with him and have a reason to sing. And this is to respond to him. This is to look to him. This is to let him make you new. Let him bring new life. Let him cause you to be born again. And this happens through faith. This happens by you turning from sin and turning to Jesus and saying, I'm yours. And I pray that tonight would be that night for you that everything would change, that you would stop examining the life of Jesus and you would begin tonight experiencing the life of Jesus and let him make you new. Let him cause you to be born again so that you now have a reason to sing and rejoice and praise him. Let tonight be that night for you. Let's pray. Father, thanks for being just a a good God. You are so patient with us. You are so loving towards us. And God, I thank you for making a way for me because on my own, apart from Jesus, I'm stuck in sin and there's nothing I can do about that. But you revealed yourself in grace. You showed me Jesus. You helped me to understand the gospel that Jesus was born so that I could be born again. And you came in and you did the thing that I couldn't do on my own and you saved me. You caused me to be born again. God, thank you for that. And I pray that that would be the story of many people tonight. Would you help us to look to you, to find salvation, to find joy, to find a reason to sing? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, this is good news. This conversation shows us that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we are child, children of God, and we have a reason to sing. And so let's respond to him with worship.